This is that one case where lawyers share stories of cases that influence their careers. My guest today is Brian Gibbons, partner at WCM Attorneys in Long Island, New York. Brian handles a variety of general liability claims and has tried cases in both New York state and federal courts. And on today's show, Brian tells us the story of his early days as a prosecutor when he achieved his first ever conviction and reveals how the case would have a profound effect on his career. From 2004 to 2010, I was a prosecutor in the Bronx. And uh, I knew I wanted to be a prosecutor just because I wanted to be in court. I wanted to be trying cases. I wanted to be arguing cases. Um, you know, I, I got a kick out of that idea and it's fun. Now, the, the thing is that, you know, you can talk through your case. You can know your case backwards and forwards, especially at that age. Uh, you know, you're 26, 27, 28 years old. So you're still a novice as a trial attorney. And you know, you have no idea what you're doing. You fake it as best you can, but you really have no idea what you're doing. There is absolutely an emperor has no clothes feel when you're starting out. And uh, my first couple of jury trials that I did, the defendants were acquitted and I lost. And there's, there's reasons for that. Some of them were just the facts of the case. Some of them were uh, at the time, there was a pretty significant mistrust of police witnesses in, in Bronx County, which okay. still exists today. But at the time, there were some hot button issues in the city. And then also, I didn't know what I was doing yet. I was a new attorney and my own exp experience, I'm sure, was evident to a jury. The first time I got a, a conviction on a, it was on a a narcotics sale case that happened in a schoolyard. So, you know, you know, drug sales are bad in general, but drug sales, I think this was, uh, was heroin that was being sold in a schoolyard. So not a good thing. The first time I actually got the conviction, it was reaffirming because, you know, we like, one thing we like to say in the legal world is we, we work in an industry with no mirrors. You know, you can talk among each other about what what's the right way to handle a case and what's the right kind of strategy to implement. But until you get a positive result from a jury, there's in the back of your head is, oh man, do I not know how to do this? Do I not know how to get a conviction? Mm -hmm. And this one particular conviction, it wasn't the case of the century, but it was, you know, a felony that warranted a few years in jail based on the guy's record. When I got the first conviction, it was one of those things where you walk out of the courtroom and it just makes you say, okay, good, I'm on the right track. I at least have some semblance of a clue about what I'm doing because these 12 jurors just agreed with what I told them. And, and to, to piggyback on that, one of the great things about starting out as a prosecutor is, you know, you need a unanimous verdict from all 12 jurors and you have to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which mm -hmm. is, you know, it's the highest burden of proof there is. So you have, you need a unanimous jury, you have the highest burden of proof. So if you can obtain convictions in a criminal trial before a 12 person unanimous jury, that at least is a signal to you that you're on the right track, you, you have some semblance of a clue as to what you're doing, and it really helps build your confidence going forward. That's amazing. So what, tell me, what, did, what was it you think that you, you got right in that case? So the, the first couple of cases didn't go your way. 
that could have been circumstantial as, as well as your own experience there. But what was it you feel, feel like you kind of nailed that time that, that helped you? That's a good question because I'll, I'll be fully forthright with it. Until the jury came back and said guilty, mm. I had no idea what they were going to say or not. You know, the, the first case that I ever tried was an assault case that happened outside of a bar in the Bronx. And I was positive I was getting a conviction because mm. the defendant admitted on cross-examination that I stomped on this guy's head while he was on the ground because I didn't want him to get up. It's like, oh, okay, great. That has to be a conviction. He's admitting to the assault. And mm -hmm. the jury viewed it as a bar fight where the defendant won, the victim lost. So, you know, they didn't convict. On this case where I did get the conviction, I think it was probably just more of confidence from me in front of the jury that you can't fake, you know, looking like you know what you're doing. You know, the old... Uh, the, the Malcolm Gladwell rule of you need 10,000 hours of repetitions to really have some idea of, yeah. of what you're doing. Well, with jury trials, it's kind of the same thing where you need to practice being in front of a jury to know how to do it. And every analogy you can imagine, this is why stand-up comics work out their material in front of crowds before they do, a, uh, yeah. before they do a, an HBO special. Or along the same lines, you know, it's a, a phrase that I use with, with attorneys at my office all the time. Uh, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You know, <laughs> you, you need to screw things up a couple of times before you get your feet under you. And I think that was, I, I think the first conviction I got was in part because I had, you know, I, I had screwed up a couple of times, at least on paper. And that mm -hmm. helped me. Uh, you know, get to a place where I said, okay, I, I, I need to, to convey my, my position to the jury more confidently. I need to, mm -hmm. to use more eye contact with the jurors. I need to convey to them that I believe in what I'm saying and end in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the kind of thing that it's, it's very difficult to fake. That's it. Actually, you're not the first person to, to, to actually kind of touch on authenticity as a, as a real kind of important strength i think in in being taken seriously by i mean everyone but but jurors in particular because you're, you're sort of in a way building a relationship with the jury right you're, you're kind of having to get them to buy into you as much as your client and uh and and the story that you're that you're portraying here so like t yeah tell me about that relationship and your sort of thoughts on authenticity if you're not being yourself jurors will pick up on that you know, the, the process of, of picking a jury, of jury selection, I mentioned stand-up comedy a couple of minutes ago. There really is an element of, you know, when, when you're picking a jury, it is, you know, the attorneys on the case with no judge, no court reporter, you get a pool of somewhere between 20 and 40 prospective jurors. You go into a room and it is, you know, in my personal opinion, it's a big charade where you're trying to weed out jurors that you don't think will be fair to your client. Now, keep in mind that all these jurors are people who more than half of them do not want to be on jury duty. They are probably people that are not used to public speaking in front of strangers. And you're asking them questions in front of a room of strangers that are, the questions are designed to figure out what they are going to do at the end of a trial. You're never going to be able to do that. So, you know, my general rule 
and there's a couple of nuances to this, but my general rule is I want jurors who I think will like me. That's, right. you know, yeah. I'm not picking them. I want them to pick me. And mm -hmm. what I end up doing more often than not is selecting jurors that I think I have some degree of rapport with. And you're not going to build that kind of rapport, especially in a weird, awkward setting, if you're not being yourself. You know, and again, it's, it's like when a stand-up comic will go on stage and not have any prepared material, they'll just do crowd work where they'll, mm -hmm. hey, where are you from? You're, oh, you're from Reno? I, I spent a month there one weekend, you know, little, little things like that. A lot yeah. of it is talking to jurors and just having a conversation where mm. if, if you're not being yourself, if, if I am, like personally, I take, uh, you know, more of a laid back informal approach when I'm talking to jurors, almost like I'm telling them a story in a bar, just like I'm basically telling them a story. Now, if I walked in and took a very serious, hard-lined, almost uh, you know, robotic approach, that wouldn't work for me because mm -hmm. that's not me. There are other attorneys who might be a little bit more by the book, a little bit more straight-laced, and less comfortable doing an open mic night type scenario in front yeah. of a jury. They should be themselves too, because the jury, the jurors might still select them because you know what, I, I don't know if I'd want to have a beer with that guy, but he seems very serious about this case and he seems yeah. like he believes like, in what he's saying. Exactly, he's There's, it's and, trust. And, and if I'm not being myself, they will see it. So you're much better off, you know, lose as yourself. Don't lose trying to be someone else because then you'll, then you'll be kicking yourself. It's really interesting to hear Brian talk about the importance of being yourself with the jury. Certainly as someone from outside the profession, I'm uh, always intrigued by how highly lawyers prize this particular trait. If you want more information on Brian and WCM attorneys, you can find all the links in the show notes over at thatonecase.com. And if you did enjoy this episode, please do share it with someone you think would also find it interesting. Again, all the information is over at thatonecase.com where you can listen and subscribe. Thanks very much for listening uh, and join us again next time as Thomas Labens tells us a story of that one case. 